0: who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hey, it's your host, Catherine here. This week, we're sitting with Alex Casella, and he helps social workers and mental health professionals organize our hard-earned money so that we can focus on empowering communities. We talk about how he got started even helping social workers in the first place as a financial advisor, and what are his top three things that we need to do to start getting on this journey of financial well-being, and just really having control of our finances. This episode is for you. If you are, have you shied away from looking at your bank account statement? If you were anything like me, where anything about finances or numbers, I'm like, nope, I don't want to look at it. I don't know what it means. And it's kind of intimidating. If this is you, then this is the perfect episode to get you started on your financial wellness journey. And with that, I'm so excited to have Alex on the show. Let's hop into it. This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hi, Alex.
1: Hi, Catherine. How's it going?
0: Great. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Social Workers Rise podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you about money.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, be chatting with you about money. This is great.
0: Yes, yes, it definitely is. And thank you so much for reaching out. I think I think you found me on LinkedIn. Is that how we got connected?
1: Yeah, we connected, uh, I think it was like a couple of months ago back in LinkedIn, we came across one another on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening, the power of LinkedIn is real, y'all. I didn't believe it until I started posting on there regularly. But there's definitely some really good connections, like Alex on there. So definitely get on there. Um, But Alex, tell us about what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before I get into that, I wanted to, if it's okay, I start with like a a really quick quote. I'm kind of into motivational quotes.
0: Yeah, we love it.
1: (laughs) It's been a big part of like how I've grown as a person. I don't look at them as much anymore, but uh, from time to time I do. And recently, I came across one that reads, um, tough, times, uh, tough times don't last, tough people do. And this made me think about social workers, um, because I know a lot of social workers, and they're strong people, right? They're tough people. They deal with a lot of tough, excuse me, a lot of tough work, uh, a lot of tough situations, and tough people sometimes. And they're in a tough line of work. And I want to remind social workers that When it comes to personal finance, um, while it can be difficult and tough to like look at and think about, talk about, just keep in mind, you're a social worker, like you worked hard to get here and, you know, we'll figure this out together. And I just, I wanted to share that, Um, you know, so yeah, my name is Alex Casella and I've been working in personal finance for 12 years. And over those 12 years, I've developed a comprehensive outlook on personal finance That focuses on all areas of personal finance. And it's not just siloed in one area. So it's not just like focused on insurance or mortgages or investments or banking. So what does that mean? That means I have a vision that goes uh, beyond using financial products to help us solve problems, right? And I emphasize that financial success comes from having meaningful, meaningful conversations with people about how do we integrate and coordinate all of these financial decisions uh, that we have to make in our in our life. So, uh, so yeah, I work in financial services. I've been uh, doing financial planning for quite a while.
0: And that's really interesting. Thank you for that intro, Alex. And I did like the quote and your insight into the world of social work combined with finance because... Yeah, we have been through some tough times and a lot of times as social workers, we tend to shy away from money. I even, I was talking to someone on my Instagram, they said, thinking about my student loans and low pay just makes me want to vomit Mm -hmm. and we don't want to talk about it, but it's so necessary because it's there, you know, Mm -hmm. just because we have a problem and we avoid it doesn't mean it's gonna go away. It's only gonna get worse right. um, the older that you go. And I tried, or I didn't try for years. I did not like look at my finances. I that I just would look at my bank account and say, Oh, okay, I can afford this. And 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 that was my financial management is oh yeah, I can afford it today. Or I get paid on Friday. So right. I'll buy it then. That was yeah. the extent of my financial knowledge. So mm-hmm. um I'm glad to have this conversation and to see so many social workers just really embracing this narrative, um, with open arms and, and maybe with a vomit bag nearby.
1: <laughs> right. I, know, I know. We all started out there one day. So, yeah, you know, yeah so.
0: so how did you start even working with social workers?
1: Yeah. So my involvement with social workers really dates back to about, uh, like 2014, 2015. Um, At the time, I was working at a local bank in a similar role. And one of the tellers referred me a friend of his who um, just started her first job as a social worker. And when she came to me, she was confused, uh, you know, about her finances. And she was confused about like how much of my paycheck should go toward my student loans and my other debts, uh, what should I put toward savings and what are these employee benefits like? How do I set up this retirement account at work? Uh, these are some of the questions that I was getting from her, and when you think about somebody who starting a new job, right, as a, as a new employee, HR often just hands in a employee benefits booklet, right? They're like, here you yeah. go, go online, sign up for these benefits by this date, and if you have any questions, let us know. And in some cases, you know, they they can help answer questions, but in my experience, uh, there's a lot of confusion about like what employee benefits are, or, like, do I need this one? Do I don't need this one? Um, and if you think about like a social worker, just at a school, um, starting a new job, they're not going to know what that stuff means. Nope. So we had a, uh, a great conversation about those benefits. I helped her answer her questions. And, you know, a couple of weeks after I spent time with her, she started referring me some of her social work colleagues, right? They came to me with their questions. Um, fast forward about a year or so from that point i meet my now wife whose name is Jessie. and jeff Jessie is a social worker and when we met i helped her uh with a few uh, make a few changes to her finances and one story i'll quickly share uh, about Jessie, which this story really demonstrates the impacts of not knowing something about finances so uh, we were dating for a few months and jesse was driving this really nice silver Jeep Grand Cherokee and a rock hit her windshield and cracks her windshield. She called me and was like, Alex, what should I do? And um, I was like, call your insurance company, you know, file an insurance claim. They'll send somebody else to fix your windshield. Well, she calls and to her surprise finds out she opted out of what's known as comprehensive coverage and comprehensive coverage for those that don't know covers things that are considered other than collision on an auto insurance policy. Mm. And that's what, that's what would repair a window, a broken window. So the long and short of this story is Jesse had to pay for the full price of a new window out of her pocket. And, you know, that wasn't cheap. Um, you know, so I share this as one example of, you know, not knowing something about a financial product and how that can have impacts on our finances. Um, so, you know, fast forward, Couple months before the pandemic, some of Jesse's social work buddies um, are reaching out to me with questions. It's like, "Hey, I'm leaving a government agency. What should I do with my four hundred one k? I'm going into private practice. Or, hey, I have a home equity loan on my house. What is it? Should I pay it off? Um, you know, hey, I want to buy a house. Like, how do I do that? You know? So these are some of the questions I'm getting from social workers, and I just kind of realized I had this like aha moment that social workers put a lot of time, right, a tremendous amount of hours into their career and training and helping people and really trying to empower communities, but in all the training that they do, they they aren't receiving any financial literacy, right, there's no, like, financial education, so I saw this as an opportunity to, uh, to work with a community of people who, you know, I believe I share commonalities with because my wife and I, we both are the type of people who just like helping people, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's like our friend or neighbor uh, or what we do professionally, like we just like to help people. Uh, So I decided I'm going to work with social workers and mental health professionals. I'm going to help them organize their money. Uh, I'm going to help them coordinate financial decisions so that they, they can be better at, you know, empowering their communities that they're working in Um. You know, and so during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time talking to social workers, uh, and just really trying to understand what they need help with when it comes to finances and how I can better serve them. Um, and I took all that information, I put together the Empower Financial Guide, which is a step-by-step guide specific to social workers and mental health professionals, uh, really as a financial resource resource so they can learn more about managing their finances. So, I mean, that pretty much sums up how I got into uh, working with social workers.
0: Yeah, so many aspects of your story I can relate to. And regarding Jessie with her windshield, that reminds me of the days I was driving around um, for my job. I was working in hospice. I was working in the field. So many people use their personal vehicles to drive around. And employers are very upfront that they are not covering any sort of anything. (laughs) Like your personal vehicle is your personal vehicle and your minimal salary better cover all of the upkeep for that. And it's stressful. Um, So, and yeah, and comprehensive, like, we don't know what that means. (laughs) I know, right? And it's, kind, to be honest, Alex, it's kind of embarrassing because we have master's degrees and here we are trying to ask HR, like, what does this mean? And um, am I one, am I one dependent or two based on right. my situation? Right. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't think that needs to be, you know, and I know probably like the initial reaction would be like, that's embarrassing, but it to some degree speaks to where we're at. Uh, as a society, like we're not learning about these things much yeah. in our programs, you know, so um, that's something I'm trying to change. And you know, I'm really trying to help social workers to learn about these things. Because yeah, you know, insurances have fancy words, deductibles, comprehensive, collision, all this stuff. What does that mean? So I've, uh, I've enjoyed like breaking that down and making it like very simple to understand. Um, because it it is very hard to, to know what those things are, when mm-hmm. you're not learning about them
0: and it helps to break it down too because at first I was thinking well if I don't have very much money why do I need a financial advisor but just in our 10 minutes of conversation I can see oh you need a financial advisor so that you can spend your money smartly is that kind of what I'm getting from like that's my understanding. what What would be your response to someone who says, "I don't have a lot of money. do I need a financial advisor?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I do get that question, you know uh, often, um, because the I think the financial world itself has kind of created this stigma that you need to have like a large account balance in order to get financial advice, right? Um, and that might be true for for some financial institutions. But I don't think that's the case for everybody, you know, Um, so the way I see finance, the way I see this this industry is uh, you don't need to have like a specific dollar amount in your your bank account to have these types of conversations with people, you know, like having these types of conversations are free. It's, you know, to give advice, to help people put together plans. When you do get to a point when you have established, you know, a, a account balance and you need help managing that, uh, that's where people like myself and the partners I work with can help, you know, to to manage those types of things. But that doesn't mean we can't have conversations about, you know, how do I put together a plan to pay off my debt? How do I put together a plan to, you know, save money, uh, a down payment for a house? Um, you know, those, those conversations can exist. Uh, outside of like the
0: overall account balance so um, yeah yeah thank you for that I'm kind of wondering because there's so many different ways we could go with this finance conversation I had I don't know must have been 20 questions about money come in when I asked my followers on Instagram about what questions do you have about money? There is all sorts of topics: mortgage, retirement, starting your own business, private practice, LLCs. Um, how to prioritize? So, based on your experience, you know what have been the three things that social workers need to know or do to be financial or to be successful with their finances?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a, another really good question, and you know people. Social workers who I talk to, mental health professionals, they say, like, what's like one or two things I should do or shouldn't be doing? Um, and to your point, you know, there are a lot of good questions out there about, you know, what should I be doing about a mortgage? What should I be doing about a retirement account? Whatever the case. Um, and the reality is we can spend like a lot of time in each topic. Um, and I, you know, I hope to be able to speak Um, more specifically in each topic at later times. But, you know, um, and and the guide I put together, by the way, speaks to all these types of topics as well. That's something that can be downloaded on my website. I can share that later. Um, But It's in the
0: show notes. We we have his website in the show notes.
1: Perfect. Um, So what I would emphasize is, you know, the answers to most personal finance questions, and I'm going to go into these in more detail as well, but the answers to most personal finance questions start with these two things, right? One is you need to be financially organized, and two is you need to know where your paycheck is going. You need to know where your money is going, right? And those two things can really help start the conversation for all these other topics, right? So the first thing I encourage social workers to do is to get financially organized. Clean up your financial drunk drawers, drunk drawers, if you will. It's not an easy thing to do because it takes time and it requires you to, you know, really carve out time from your already jam-packed schedule. But, you know, it's important to find the time. We all, you know, have these financial things, insurance policies, employee benefits, bank accounts, student loans. Uh, You have to take all that stuff and get it into one place. Really take inventory and lay out everything onto one page, whether that be like a spreadsheet, a Word document, or you know, a journal, some type of composition notebook. Um, there are even phone apps you can use these days to to get financially organized and, and get everything in front of you. Right, your income sources, your salaries, private practice income, your insurance policy information, in, insurance policy information, um, bank account numbers, balances, loans. You know, interest rates. Uh, even things like legal documents or health directives. Right, you want to basically anything that's considered a financial product or has something to do with your finances, you want to get that all into a folder. You want to have it all in one place. Um, And you might not know what, you know, you might not know exactly what everything is, and that's okay. Um, You can also use this as an opportunity to come up with a list of questions and be like, okay, I know I have this thing. I don't know what it is. I want to learn more about it. That's a question you can ask to a financial professional, you can do your own research on, you can re- reach out to someone like me to ask these questions. Um, and this activity is, you know, similar to like important health records. Some people might put together a list of all their doctors and prescription drugs and keep that on one page, right? Uh, you can do the same with your money. doesn't mean you need to walk around with a card in your wallet, you know, with like all your finances, but uh, it is important to get organized because when you when you do that you're not just doing it for like right now you're doing it to establish a system for yourself so you can do regular check-ins right and you can say like okay i'm going to evaluate my progress i'm going to see what my balances are uh, i'm going to see what my spending habits look like i'm going to see if i have enough money in emergency funds you know are my debt balances going down um, and even if you're considering, like, making a change, like, I want to go back to school, I want to buy a house, I want to leave my job, go to private practice, when you have your finances organized all in one place, uh, it really can help you to make those decisions. As opposed to, like, being unorganized, everything's all over the place, it becomes a lot harder to make those decisions at that point. Um, so that would be the first thing.
0: Um that makes sense and it sounds a little scary but (laughs) (laughs) but I think it is a good first step to at least get all the papers in one location because I can definitely see how if you have everything in front of you uh, laid out it can help you get organized around what specifically do you want to ask a financial advisor and what specifically do you need help with is that kind of what I'm hearing
1: yeah, exactly. So when you need to refer to something, like let's say you you're like you want to buy a house, right? And one of the things when you buy a house is when you apply for a mortgage, you have to like give all your financial stuff to underwriters, right? So when you have all that organized in one spot, it makes it much easier to show up to a meeting with a mortgage person uh, when it's all organized rather than being like, okay, I don't know where that is. I need to go find that. Uh, I think I know where that is. When everything's organized in one place, it just makes it so much easier to to look at it and work through it so
0: that makes sense and you you probably show up to the meeting much more put together much more confident like I know I have all my stuff together literally it's all together yeah
1: Yeah. you know it's funny because like I'm the I'm the guy that like shows up with the, the money folder at meetings and then when we go to the doctor like my wife and I are expecting a baby any day now uh she's like giving me a hard time about like do you have the pediatrician's number saved in your phone Do you have the doctor's information saved in your phone and like she's like the the health person and I'm the money person. So, uh, it's, it's kind of funny how we, uh, she, she's like perfectly organized on that
0: side of it and I'm perfectly
1: organized on the financial side.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. And having a baby and getting married, those are two really big financial, um, milestones that we all need to be prepared for. Um, well, I guess not all of us, but a lot of us (laughs) want to be prepared for. Um, so that's a good point too. Um, Okay. And then, so second you said is to know where your money is going. I feel like a lot of us are going to say it goes to my student loan and rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: it could, could very well be the case. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. You know, and it,
1: it's important. And the idea, be, idea behind this is like, where's your paycheck going? Right. Uh, I think the industry itself calls this like budgeting and, you know, like all that. And I think budgeting can be like kind of a scary word um so it's it's better to say like are you planning out your finances you know do you know where your money's going um and it's really just an a, an activity you know it's kind of part two of getting organized um it, again it's not an easy activity uh it's not an easy thing to do um it's not easy to find the time you know the energy um you know dealing with those feelings of like i'm overwhelmed about my money i don't like looking at it it's it's not easy um, but it's important that you know you try to like keep your emotions in check, not get too alarmed by the monies, uh, by the numbers, um, and just go through the activity. Like it, it's okay if they're not ideal. Like you know, not everybody's finances were perfect when they first started in their career. It took time to uh, to really improve those and, and make them better. So you know that's why these types of activities exist. But I encourage people, you know, and social workers to be as honest as possible with yourself when you're doing this. Try to look back through like three to four months worth of your spending history, right? Whether that's like your, your phone app or your online statements, wherever you're uh, paying your expenses from, just go through them and, and start to like group out your spending into different category, categories. You know how much you're spending on things like groceries or coffee or like how much am I spending on monthly subscriptions? Uh, people who are in private practice, right? This is a good way to like track your, your business deductions, right? Uh, which ultimately will will lower your, uh, your your taxes that you might have to pay. Um, you know, uh, I think most private practice social workers realize they can you know deduct business expenses, um, and and when you go to file your taxes, when you have all your deductions deductions in one area, and you can just like say, okay, like hand it over to your tax person, or you're filing your own taxes, whatever the case, um, it's a lot easier when it's nicely organized as compared to like, you know, having to go through receipts and look back through statements and be like, okay, why did I make this purchase six months ago for my business? I don't know. Um, you know, when, when when you go through and categorize everything, it makes it much easier. Um, in addition to that, when you're going through your expenses, try to look for like patterns or specific spending habits. Like, what day of the month do I spend the most money on, right? Uh, Like, is this the day I'm getting paid or is it like every Friday or Saturday? You know, uh, what day of the month, um, you know, or or actually um, uh, where is like my money going each month, right? Is it like actually going toward my student loans and rent or is it going toward other things like, you know, shopping or going out to eat, you know, cups of coffee? Those are the types of things you want to look for, um, because that's what will help you to really kind of get an idea of like, okay, where's my money going? Um, So once you have all your expenses figured out, total them up and subtract those from your total take-home pay, right? So take-home pay would be the amount you receive after your deductions and the taxes are coming out, right? That's the actual amount of your paycheck or like the direct deposit going into your account. And for, you know, the social workers who are in private practice, um, they might have to pay their own taxes. So it's important for people in private practice that you set aside an amount each time you get paid to go toward your taxes. Um, And I think most social workers in private practice are aware of that. Um, But, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're getting a tax bill and you're surprised and you're like, okay, how am I going to pay for this? Um, But the idea is, you know, if you're working for a company, you're going to get a paycheck Uh, If you're working in private practice, you got to carve out the taxes. And then whatever that amount is, that's after deductions and after taxes, that's what you want to subtract your expenses from, right? And once you subtract your uh, expenses from your income, you'll either have a positive number or you'll have a negative number. A positive number uh, represents positive cash flow, meaning you're spending less than you're making, and that's a good thing. Uh, a negative number of course is going to represent the negative cash flow, meaning you're oper- operating at a deficit. you're spending more money uh, than you're actually making. And that's an indication that you know you need to either cut down on spending or take a look and make adju- adjustments to your spending because uh, the goal is to improve your cash flow to get to positive cash flow. Um, you know and, and I can go on and on about this. It's like you know we, uh, uh, we can learn a lot about somebody's finances just by taking a look at where their paychecks are going. Right. Uh, for example, like in medicine, doctors will use lab results. Right. And they'll look at those to see, okay, how is somebody's health? Like, can this help us diagnose something going on with a person uh, in mental health? You know, you'll, you'll use evaluations, you'll use assessments to to try and pick up on patterns, right. That someone might present, uh, and you'll use the the DSM to help like diagnose what's going on with somebody, um, but in finance we look at cash flow to learn about how somebody is doing with their money. Um, and I talk about this all the time. There's two sides to money, right? There's the actual numbers, there's the math involved, uh, but then there's also the emotions and the behaviors that go with those money, right? So like, how do I feel about debt? How do I feel about you know a certain product? Um, what are the impacts of my decisions? Are there good consequences, bad consequences of my decisions? Um, you know, and again, I could talk about strategies and ideas all day where like numbers make sense, but individual emotions and behaviors have to work with those, uh, with those strategies. So, I mean, I'm not the type of person to to go tell someone like, Hey, you know, you can't go get yourself a latte or you can't have a protein shake today. If, you know, if that's something you enjoy doing and that's where you want to spend your money, then, you know, that's where you're going to spend your money. Mm-hmm. People have to be willing to decide for themselves and say, Hey, this is where I want to spend my money right now. Um, I mean, this is like same idea goes toward health and fitness. If I'm trying to lose weight and I'm not tracking my calories in and out, then, you know, how am I going to assess like my weight loss? You know, right. Um, you know, <laughs> I joke mm-hmm. about this. Um, uh, you know, once you start tracking calories, like, I love pizza. Pizza's like my go-to, like comfort food. Like Me too. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I can eat like a whole pizza myself and <laughs> it's not good. But, um, you know, so once you start tracking your calories and you, re- you, like, you, you see that pizza takes up like a half a day's worth of your like calorie intake and you're eating a few slices of pizza a day, it's like, well, maybe that can help you realize like that's why you're not losing weight is because the amount of calories you're taking in. <laughs> So, you know, it's an extreme example, but uh, you, you really need to know what's coming in and, and where it's going, uh, yeah.
0: if,
1: you know, so. Um,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. I know for, for me, it helped to, instead of using the term budgeting, I kind of re- reframed it as what is my priority right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, my priority was, you know, paying the essential bills and also getting to a place where, I'm not just bound by my essentials, but I do have extra fun money because I, you know, all of us went to school for so long. I decided I didn't work this hard and go to school for this long to feel broke. So when I did, I did do my, I don't know, the know where your money is going step two. I did do that. And I will warn you, listener, <laughs> this was the moment where I decided. I had to either get a raise or I had to find another job ASAP because I was in the negative and it wasn't by very much. But every month I was tapping into either my savings or putting more on my credit card. And I realized like, oh shoot, this is, this is not good. Like this needs to change ASAP. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in what you're saying, Catherine, it's like the goal is to get to positive cash flow, right? And in some cases, that means going out and finding an additional source of income. Um, but there's also other ways you can do that. Like you can try and find more, like, you know, get more of your money back into your cash flow. So maybe you change like cable or internet providers to save money, you change your auto insurance to get better rates. You sign up for like discounts, reward programs that you know really can help you to to just get as
0: much money, squeeze as much money as you can out of your cash flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's um, only so much you can do with fifty grand a year, Alex. <laughs> I know. I hear you. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what? Oh, before we move on, I wanted to know. Do you have, you know, with getting financially organized and knowing where your money's going, are there any apps or tools that you recommend in addition to the the book that you created?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Mint.com is a very good app. It's been around for a while. I used to use it years back um, and I've since like transitioned into some other ways of managing my money. Uh, but there's a few other ones out there as well, um, you know, that help really help with budgeting and like how to like see where your your money is going. But I've liked Mint.com because it it does like connect with pretty much everything you have from a financial perspective. Uh, so that's one I would recommend.
0: Yeah, I use Mint.com also. And for the record, we are not affiliated or getting money from Mint.com. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did use them. And it was super helpful to do exactly what you said is to get everything on one page. And that's exactly what that does. So correct. Um, and it updates it automatically for you. So all you do is log in and you can see positive or negative cash flow. <laughs> yeah. yeah <it's> great. Awesome. <laughs> what is the third thing or? you know, advice that you have friends.
1: Yeah. So, you know, last, uh, finally with, with the third thing, um, is you really don't want to put off saving for retirement. And, you know, I, and I know the theme here is like, we have very little money that we're trying to work with every year. And, you know, I, I see this, I see this with the social workers, uh, that I work with. Uh, but the reality is, you know, um, it, it ties back to the behaviors, right. Um, and what I mean by that is, I know I've seen people in my career who make all kinds of money, right? But they are like all over the place with their money. They have debt that they can't get a handle on. Uh, they have nothing in savings, right? And these are people that are making like sizable salaries. And then on the, re- uh, on the other side of that, I've seen other people, you know, even social workers who they are in the beginning, it's tough, but they've created good behaviors, they've created good habits. And as a result of that, they are established, right? They have money and savings, they have money, in retirement account. they have, you know, they have their debt under control. they, they might have little debt, they might have paid it down. Uh, and it's all a result of the behaviors, right? And what that behavior is is to really start out slowly, right? Uh, if, if you can start out by putting a, a very small amount toward your retirement at the beginning of your career, and gradually start increasing that over time, right? So that might be like 1% of your salary or a half percent of your salary, or maybe you're just doing like $10 per week, whatever it is that you can put into retirement, start doing it, right? And then a lot of retirement plans, whether that's through like your employer or something you've set up on your own, they, uh, through their like online portals, their client portals will have, usually have like an automatic increase feature so what you can do is you can start at a certain dollar amount and you can have the uh the portal automatically increase that for you uh by a certain percentage every like so many months or like every year uh and that's one way to really start you know prioritizing your retirement amount your retirement account from like a walk before you run standpoint right so like if you're going to go out to like run a few miles You're not going to sprint in the first mile. Like, you know, you're going to end up getting hurt. You're going to get tired. You're probably not going to run those three miles, four miles, whatever it is you want to do. It takes a little bit of time. You have to walk. You got to warm up your legs uh, and you have to slowly build the speed into those few miles. The same goes with retirement planning. You know, you just start out small and gradually start to increase a little bit over time uh, is is one way to really start putting money away toward retirement. And one of the things about retirement accounts is, you know, and, and studies have been done about this that show us individuals who wait to put off put into retirement tend to have less money than people who started earlier, right? So people in their like twenties and their thirties who put away smaller amounts compared to people in their forties and fifties who put away larger amounts the people who were younger ended up having more money saved in retirement uh, based on the powers of compounding interest, right? So compounding, if people aren't familiar with that term, what compounding means is you're getting growth on top of your growth. You're getting interest on interest, right? So, um, so really starting out early is a, a very important thing to, to do, uh, even if it's a very small amount, because it will make a difference down the road.
0: Okay. Awesome. I love that insight. I do have a question for you because I remember as a new grad, I was, I, I never learned the answer to this question. So we have, um, we have retirement that we need to plan for. We have student loans that are kicking in. We have credit card payments that are coming. And we also want to save for a future event, such as, Um, a wedding or buying a house or a mortgage, like how do we prioritize those areas? Like where, where do we spend our money? Is it evenly divided? Is one a higher priority than the other? Can you share any insight on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And you know, there's like different rules of thumb that like are are out there in the industry that could be like applied to these, these different uh, like line items. Um, but it, you know, it it really comes down to like, what is the priority for you? Like if you need to, if you want to like buy a house, save a down payment for a house, save money for a wedding. Right. Um, what, what are you giving up to do that? Right. Like what is, is the one thing like you'll like not have, you're going to give up for a period of time, right. For some people it might be like, giving up a gym membership. Uh, it might be giving up like, you know, um, whatever, you know, going out, uh, trying to cut back on spending on certain things, um, because prioritizing means like, you know, I'm putting this ahead of everything else. So in terms of priority, like debt is super important to pay, right? We have student loans, like we have to pay those because if we don't, that's going to impact your ability to get a, a loan for a house down the road. Right. So when you take a look at student loans, like, well, what are all the different repayment options available to me? Right. Uh, can I use like an income-based repayment? Will that help me? Um, you know, uh, can I defer some of my loans if I'm still in, still, uh, you know, um, in school, if I'm still getting my education, what happens if I defer my loans? Can that help me? Um, credit cards, right. The thing about credit cards is, again, if you don't pay them, it's going to impact our ability to get credit down the road. So can we take a look at that credit card and find something else to manage it, whether that be like a 0% balance transfer card where we transfer the balance somewhere else at a 0% rate of uh, rate of interest? Uh, or can we do like a debt consolidation loan that can maybe lower the interest rate and uh, consolidate the payments, right? That's something that might help. Uh, So again, in terms of priority, you have to pay those debts. So I wouldn't give up paying the debts. Um, Outside of that, uh, you know, you need to live, right? You have to pay rent somewhere. So different things you can do when it comes to renting. Well, you can try to live somewhere that's more affordable, whether that's in an area that's not like super, super metro, right, where you're going to be paying top dollar. Or maybe you like cohabitat with roommates, right? Uh, That's something I did. Uh, I lived with a buddy of mine uh, about 10, 15 years ago and we shared the expenses, right? That made it super affordable for me. Um, You know, so you have to live, you have to eat, you have to go out and have a good time. We can't just like sit around and like watch watch our, you know, dollars and that's all we do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So when you go out, look for things that are like, more like conscious to our to our uh, finances so uh like I know for for me like I like going on bike rides I like going to the beach there's things I like to do that really don't cost me money other than like the gas to get there um where I have some friends who like going to the casinos they like going to shows and spending money on tickets to go see Mm -hmm. sports games and things like that So, you know, it's a matter of saying, like, well, I want to live, I want to enjoy myself, but how can I do that in a a really like a conscious way from a financial perspective? Uh, And I think if, you know, you kind of combined all that from like, you know, what am I going to give up that can help me save? Uh, I have to pay my debts. So let me pay my debts in the most efficient way and the most, you know, beneficial way toward my cash flow. Um, And when I'm going to go out and enjoy myself, I'm going to do that in a way that's conscious to my budget. Um, I think if you can prioritize those things, that, that really can make a difference.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like that. And I know for me personally, the other shift that I actually made was I thought about how I could afford all of the different like areas that I needed to and wanted to. So I wasn't happy with where I was at financially. I was in the red. And I said, but this is the life that i want like i i wrote down the life that i want and how much that costs and then i try to get creative and said how can i afford that life like Mm -hmm. what other things can i maybe do or can i ask for a raise or get a different job um sometimes you even need to leave the industry of social work i hate to say that but Mm i'm i'm for the people right (laughs) Sure. If, if if your job is not paying you for the life that you want, like you deserve to be happy. So um I would also add in, you know, how can you make your lifestyle feasible or realistic? So,
1: yeah, no, it's a good um, point. It's a good point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Thank you um, for that, Alex. I feel like we covered a lot. I mean, I, I think we could talk all day about these yeah. uh, different, different items, but thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We're definitely going to have you back on the show. Um, another time, where can people find you, get connected with you and maybe even schedule a free consultation?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm pretty active on, I'm very active on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. So my Instagram handle is Casella Personal Finance and that's C-A-S-E-L-L-A Personal Finance. Um, On my LinkedIn, just type in Alex Casella Um, and underneath you'll see I I, uh, help social workers uh, and mental health professionals with their hard earned money. I'm also on Clubhouse, and my website is alexcasella.com, and you could go there to either, you know, download the guide that I spoke about, or if you want to schedule a session with me, I do offer complimentary sessions. I never charge fees to have these types of conversations, Um, and yeah, I'm happy to, you know, spend like 15-20 minutes with people if they have their own questions that they want to Chat about and see if I can help them out.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. You take care.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. Bye. Bye. -bye.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on. Why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You'll have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here. That the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.